we're going to look at the, the subject of eternal security. And I hope to instill in us a confidence in the belief that we are secure in our salvation. Maybe you are on the fence about it or never really done any research into it in Scripture or maybe you're just, uh, maybe you may disagree, maybe you're on the fence completely, you don't know. I hope that the Word will turn you to the truth that when we are saved, we can be secure in our salvation. And I can have confidence that once I've been redeemed, I don't have to worry about God going back on His Word. And I can be confident in my life and my living that God's not going to take away a free gift. And so I have a few thoughts to share with you tonight on that thought. But my mind was just turned. I was thinking about David. To start us off, I, uh, I'll ask you to turn you, uh, your Bibles to John chapter 10. I was thinking about David and how he sinned. And, you know, in the discussion of maintaining your salvation secured by God or being able to lose your salvation by sin or um, turning away from God, the anybody I've ever, I, I'm not a debater. I don't, like, I'm not, I don't like arguing. I don't think arguing about stuff, especially the Bible, ever helps anything. Um, I, I, I will debate with people about things just in a conversation as far as somebody I know, and I know that they actually have some sense. I don't mean that bad, but they ain't no, they ain't no sense in debating with crazy. Amen. I mean, there's some people, they just there ain't no sense of getting into it with them. But people I know that I've discussed this with, that oftentimes they will overlook examples such as David, who has all, he, I mean, he's a biblical giant. He's the, uh, the, the, the crown of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Yet he has this glaring flaw in his life where he commits these sins. We preached a series on that with Bathsheba. So he, he commits adultery, and then he tries to cover it up. Then he tries to deceive a man, the, the, the woman's husband. And then he has that man killed, and then he gets prideful, and he gets bitter, and he gets arrogant, and all these things. And when Nathan comes to him, and Nathan exposes David's sin to him, he tells him, and Nathan, or David says, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. And I thought about that, and we know that we're living at this time under the law, but God's grace has always existed. That's why the law existed. And so for his children, God's love and his grace and his mercy is available and prevalent and, and, and is, is coming towards his children. God's grace was bestowed upon David before David even confessed of his sins. Now, he wants us to repent and confess, but, and David does that. And then Nathan says, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. He didn't tell him you need to restart your religion. He didn't tell him it's time, well, you've got to go do this, X, Y, Z, do that. You've got to go here, you've got to go there, you've got to go make this sacrifice, go see this. He says, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. And that's because of God's love that he did that. And so that just builds, hopefully, a foundation 
for the truth. And, and when I've talked to people and debated with people about this, going back and forth about, well, can you lose your salvation or not? A lot of times it's overlooked the fact that these biblical giants committed great sins. David did things that people would cast him out of church for. Amen? He would get, I mean, he would get churched for. And so we have to consider the whole story, not just the parts that make us. Now, I don't believe in eternal security, or I don't, I don't believe in eternal insecurity. I believe in eternal security. I believe that we have confidence in our salvation, that uh, the salvation we have, we possess forever. God will not take it away from us. I don't believe we'll lose that. But I have to consider the whole counsel of the Word of God. So that's what I hope to do tonight. John 10 will begin in verse 25. John 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Tonight we look at a few thoughts of the evidence of eternal security. And first, I believe we see here the evident everlasting life that's intended for the believers in Christ. Now we know we all are eternal beings. We, have, uh, uh, we possess inside of ourselves, um, unknown to the human eye, the soul, our soul that uh, we'll spend eternity in heaven or it will spend eternity in hell. We have, we're eternal beings, all of us. But we even going back, we've used this example before in Genesis when uh, uh, Jesus, or God sets the standard with uh, uh, Adam that there is life or death beyond the grave, that there, that there is an eternity that we will all face. And so, obviously, I believe to all of us, likely, the salvation aspect of things, when we accept Christ, then we become part of an everlasting life. If you don't know Jesus and you die and you go to hell, then you're going to participate in everlasting torment in hell. And so, what a, a wonderful truth it is and what wonderful hope we have in Christ to know that, that I am secured my place in heaven forever with my Savior. Now, then comes the questions of people who like to debate that security. Now, I believe wholeheartedly what the Bible says. I'm going to read it one more time. And I give unto them eternal life. That means eternal life in heaven with Jesus, with God his Father, and the precious Holy Spirit. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
my Bible tells me two things in this verse. That those who have eternal life, they'll never perish. As in, you'll never die eternally to that eternal torment. And that I am securely protected in the hand of God. Who can reach into the hand of God and pull me out? No man. The devil can't do it. My sin can't do it. You see, I think a lot of times where this idea of being able to lose your salvation came from was someone that couldn't justify a Christian doing something that they were too self-righteous to do. In other words, I can't in my mind contemplate why this Christian, this so-called Christian, is doing something that to me, and we talked about this morning, sin is sin, that to me and my self-righteousness, I would never do that. Or if they were a real Christian, they would not do that. It's a hard concept to think about a Christian sinning so blatantly against God, but David did it in his fornication with Bathsheba, in having a man murdered. I mean, this is a man after God's own heart who in a moment of lust and sin fell into that sin and committed a heinous crime abused his power and his position to take advantage of someone, to, to have a man killed, to, to deceive and to lie. What about Peter, who denied our Savior? How many times did he deny, deny him? Three times. No, he didn't just deny Christ once. He denied him three times. Yet you find in the book of Acts, the very same man preaching the gospel. Amen? I mean, so that tells me something. The Bible is clear. And the Bible, uh, we said recently, the Bible's particular, amen? God's particular. And I believe that if these men, especially Peter, who was living under the, the grace of Jesus Christ, the fulfilled law, I believe the Bible would have been clear about Peter falling from grace and needing to be saved again, don't you? I think the Bible would have made clear that someone who denied Jesus would have had to do more than repent of his sins just to ask for forgiveness. God, I'm coming back to you as your child and I'm repenting of sins. You have, you have repentance for salvation and then you have repentance of your sins in the essence of, hey, I'm one of your children and I need you to forgive me for my sins. I've strayed away from your word. I've strayed away from your truth. I've fallen away from uh, 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 the way I need to be living and the will that you have in my life. But, but I need you to welcome me back. I need to come back into communication with you. What it is is that we've broken communication with God, not that we've broken relationship with God. The Bible would have told us, I believe, if Peter needed to be saved again. Also, look at the prodigal son. The prodigal son, what does the Bible tell us? That he would have, he would have filled his belly with the slop in the pigsty. And he goes back to his father's house and he starts up the road. And his father comes out and greets him. And before he's able to even get his, utter, utter all of his sins out to his father... What does his father do? It's time to celebrate. He, he puts shoes on his feet, 
ring on his finger, go kill, go, go, go kill the fatted calf. His father begins to celebrate. Not, you've got to go through all this, that. You've got to, hold on, you've got to become my son again. He was just a prodigal who was brought back into the family. He was forgiven. He, couldn't, he didn't even utter all of his sins out to his father, and he was forgiven. And we're going to come back to that in a minute because we ought not think that we shouldn't be sorry, legitimately and genuinely sorry for our wrongdoing. But the Bible over and over and over gives us examples of God's mercy and love extended to those sheep that he has loved, those that he has chosen, those that, those that he has a relationship with, those that he has fellowship with. With God's fellowship continues and continues in love and grace and mercy. And when you get to talking to people about it, you're like, well, can you give me a Bible verse that would show me that I can lose my salvation? And most of the time in my conversations, there's not one that they can provide. And then if they can, a lot of times it's pretty shaky as far as context. And they really don't stand on any solid ground. Now, this is not a debate class. I'm just telling you my conversations that's the best way to learn how to explain it to somebody is debate it with somebody that disagrees with you it's not fun but it's beneficial have these conversations without arguing without fighting we can disagree and, and talk about it and edify the lord amen it can help me be stronger in what i believe what happened that day that boy confronted me about it made me go get in my bible and try to find some scripture that would support what i believed I don't want to be standing there like a deer in the headlights again. I wanted to have some support and knowledge. And I've heard arguments of all cases and all kinds. And a lot of times you'll find, some, sometimes you'll find people that they have a pet peeve sin that they hate. And if you participate in it, you're going to hell and you was never saved to begin with. And if you're a Christian and you go do that, you just forfeit your rights in heaven. Two thoughts about that. J. Vernon McGee said, I believe in the eternal security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. The insecurity of the make-believer. There's some people, they're just make-believers when it comes to relationship with the Lord. There's some people that say they are of Christ and they're not. That's not my responsibility to determine who is and who ain't. That's between them and God. But there are believers and they're make-believers. There's some people that they fall away from their walk with the Lord because they were never walking with Him to begin with. And I think sometimes it's hard for some people to explain that. There's some people... They're, they just don't know him. They just know what to sound like, what to act like, what to look like. Now, there's some believers, they fall away and they fall into sin, and it's hard to understand why. And if we're not careful, you let them live in it long enough, we'll start thinking they was never saved to begin with. But who made me God? Quiet night again. No, I'm not God. It's not my ability or responsibility to determine who is and who ain't. Only he knows. Only they know. So there's some people, they're going to walk with him and they're going to fall into sin or they're going to backslide. And it's going to be hard to understand how they do that. 
Because they're Christian people. They're genuine Christian people. We say, well, I don't believe Christian people will do that. Well, I've just given you two or three examples of Christian people that did do that. One that denied Christ three times when he stood there and told Jesus to his face that he would never deny him. Is it, can I get an old me on being somebody that falls away from the truth of the gospel and then crawls back to God and say, Lord, please forgive me. I have fallen. I need to repent I thank, thank you for all you've done for me. Lord, I'm genuinely sorry. I genuinely want to walk with you again. And you get on the right path and you live that way for a year or two and you fall off again. And you've got to do the same thing. To some people, at some point you've lost your salvation. You've got to keep getting saved over and over. Well, let me, let me, let me think, think about this. Your children, your children, the fruit, how do I say this? The fruit, the fruit of your loins. I was about to say the fruit of your loom. The fruit, the fruit of your loins. Thank you, Jeremy. The fruit of your loins, they're always going to be your babies. I don't care what they do to you. If, you're, if you have any, anything about you, they will be your children. Amen? Now, I ain't got to the point where I've experienced some that y'all have. I, it's got to be tough. I, I know. It's got to be tough. I can only imagine. But they will always be your children. And the fact is, you can't go undo that child being born, literally, physically born again. Amen? And just because they do you wrong, do you have to go give birth to them again? No. They're your children. Amen? God doesn't need to give birth to me again because I've done wrong. I've been covered by the most powerful blood to ever exist. All I need to do is genuinely repent, ask God to forgive me, and allow me back into fellowship, and nine times out of ten before I ever get there, he's already done that. Amen. I think we can probably go home on that. And I, I, don't, I don't mean it against it, but I heard the example one time. And I'm going back to gluttony. Sam was threatening to take pictures of me when they brought my food out at lunch. Show everybody I'm a glutton. I heard a man say one time, and I'm trying to get at the root of what causes this idea that we can lose our salvation. And I heard a guy say one time, you know, I, I do not mean this wrong, but dear old lady, just does things, food, cigarettes, chocolate. And we do things to our bodies that affect us, amen? Now, I ain't preaching against food, cigarettes, or chocolate. I ain't going to. But we do, we do in excess that causes problems for our bodies, amen? That little old lady that everybody loves, but because of some choices, maybe, maybe it's an old man. Well, hey, we're going to conclude everybody. We're inclusive. Does things to create problems for their body, confesses to be a Christian, ends up with some kind of disease, dies of that disease, we preach that woman or that man right into heaven. Amen? But a teenager that professes Christ makes a bad decision at 19 years old, hits a tree drunk and dies, we preach them straight into hell. You ever been around that or you ever seen that? 
You see, I think what has happened is that we have started to determine what gets people into heaven, what gets people into hell. And we don't know if grandma or grandpa knew God or not. We don't know if that young man, young girl that just got killed in a car accident knew God or not. That's not my responsibility to know. But to make it make sense in our mind, we determine, well, that person that was drunk and hit a tree, they, they, they had to have been lost. Amen? Am I making sense? We have to be careful because I think where the, the idea that we could lose God's gift to us comes from us trying to make sense of what happens on this earth, and it's not our responsibility to make sense of what happens on this earth. These people, suicide. There's some people believe you commit suicide, you ain't going to heaven. I don't believe that. I don't. Why? My cousin, my cousin, I, I loved him to death, got up on Thanksgiving morning, my uncle came in, man, I've never seen cry. He said he's took his own life. If he wasn't saved, I don't know who is. I mean, I, there, give me some biblical evidence as to why he wouldn't go to heaven. You see, that's the thing. That's why we, we've got to know where it says it in the Bible because people will try to make you think these things and make you think you're wrong and you ain't got your Bible and you don't know where to go but they've got some half-cocked idea that may convince you that you're wrong. And all we need to do is just go to the Word, where the Word says. And I give, I give, I give, I give unto them who? My sheep. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. A gift God's, God gives, he will never take back, and that gift means you will never die. There ain't nothing that's going to separate you from him. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There ain't nobody else. They ain't the devil. There ain't nothing that will take you and pull you out of God's hand. He goes further, and Jesus says, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. In other words, when you're in, you're in. Now that does, okay, A.W. Tozer, he said, Christian liberty does not give me freedom to sin. That's another thing we have to consider, is that there's some people in Jesus' name, they walk around saying, well, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. I would be very careful walking around with that kind of salvation. Because salvation does not give me freedom to sin. It gives me freedom from sin. In other words, we're going to see here in just a few moments, we probably, we probably ain't going to get there. But when there's been a change inside of me, when, when the old man passes away, and I become a new creature in Christ, not in my physical flesh, but in my spiritual sense, I become a new creature in Christ. There's been something that has changed, and it requires me to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. It requires me to repent of my sins. And then I come into fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ, who is on the right hand of the Father. Now I'm in fellowship with God. I am not going to want to do what I used to do. Now there are times where I do want to do what I used to do. Teresa, we was talking about that this morning, wasn't we? See, sometimes I just, man, I want to do what I used to do and some stuff I didn't do. 
I want to say a few things I ain't ever said. I think a few things that have never come into my mind. I, I do some things, and I decide some things in my mind that scare me sometimes. And guess what? Sometimes I'll act on those things. Amen? Sometimes we act on those things that we used to do that Jesus has already given us freedom from, and sometimes we will do things we would have never thought we would do because of the influence of sin in our lives. Why does this happen? It doesn't mean I've fallen from grace. It means I'm still flesh. So your security that you have in Christ is knowing that your spirit, especially, see, here's the key. You have to nurture your spirit. You have to feed your spirit. There's a lot of cold Christians that their problem is they don't feed their spirit. I feel like all of this discipleship has just come back to spending time with God in prayer and, and study. Now, you can study every day and you can pray every day and you're still going to sin. And some people stay away from Christianity just because of that fact right there. I don't want nothing to do with it because I can't be perfect. But as long as this flesh is clinging on to me, I'm not going to be perfect. But he gives me an example in his word. I have guidance on right and wrong. He's clear about sin. You got some people, well, it's not clear about this. It's not clear about that. The word's pretty clear. And you know what it takes is that time spent nurturing your spirit and praying for this little thing called discernment. Take, take everything I'm saying and pray for discernment. You should be doing that every service anyway. You should, you should be seeking to make sure I'm saying and speaking with the authority of the word of God. Every service, not just now. Every service. This is a little controversial to some people. And don't worry, we're going to get to a lot more controversial stuff than this. See, we all, we all kind of agree, I think. Amen? I think we agree. We're going to get to a lot more controversial stuff than this. I'm just kidding. We're just going to go with the Word. We don't like the fact that someone we deem unworthy is entitled to what we have. Right? Right? I'm guilty. Well, I wouldn't do that. Or I'm not like them. There's some people out there dying of a drug overdoses that know Jesus. People sit in churches that don't. I believe that. And guess what? We see them people, and how much grace and mercy do we show them? Yet anybody walking the doors of a church are good people because they come to church. There's some people, they can't get away from the influence of alcohol in their lives. And we just, I wouldn't have nothing to do with them. They used to go to church. You see, even if we believe in eternal security, sometimes we get a little legalistic about things. We've got to be careful. We get a little bit caught up because we want to feel good about what we do. See, Jesus is in the saving business, and the people he saves are sinners. The self-righteous? I have to look at myself, Lord, help me not to look down on people. Now, sin is sin, but man, we serve a big God. We serve a God so big that he tells me in his word here in John 10 that his hands are so mighty and his hands are so powerful that those sheep that are in his hands, nobody can pluck them out of his hands. 
and that those that he takes into his hands. And see, now don't, don't miss the fact that it's offered to everyone, but those, he chooses everyone, but it's whether or not they choose him. Those that are in his hand are chosen and loved and protected and preserved by God, and they're not tarnished and affected by the world, by the devil, not in their soul and their spirit, but they will never perish. Spurgeon says something I noticed here in the bottom of my Bible. He says, They are in his hand, that is, in his possession. He grasps them as a man holds a thing and as a man holds a thing and says, It is mine. In other words, God's got a hold of us. That's mine. I'm telling you what, you try to pry a toy out of a three year old's hand. That's his. We're dealing with Riley on that right now. That's mine. His baby sister. She loves Hot Wheels, and it makes my heart happy. I'm like, man, we're going to have a little car girl right here. It's mine. It's mine. That's how God fiercely holds his children, but he does that with authority. Those, that's mine. That's mine. Not, hold on, I've told you that no man can pluck you out of my hand, but I've told you that, I, that you will never perish. I've told you that will give you eternal life, but... I've decided I don't like you anymore. Is that what the word says? Why? Why won't he do that to us? Look at what the, verse 29 says. My father, read this with me, which gave them me. He loves us so much because his beloved son Jesus came and he gave his life. He gave his life. Why? For the ones that God sent him to die for. Which is who? The whole world. I mean, think about that. Which gave him, my father, which gave them me. Jesus came with authority to die for the sins of the world by the calling and the direction of his father. And, and his father is what? Is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. You know what that man may mean? That man may mean the, the guy down the street that makes you mad and you sin against. That man may be the devil that, that, that's down the street that you, uh, that, that's dealing with you and tempting you and throwing th that things to you. But guess who else that man may, may be? You. I, I can't do anything that would get me out of the Father's hand. Not that I would want to, but we see people like Peter. My goodness. We have, I have... I have a hard time with Peter. He denied Christ. I would never do that. I got a message about that we'll preach one day. Leave it to a Baptist preacher to have a whole other 40-minute message about it. He denied Christ. But Jesus, when he was standing there and he was looking Peter in the eye, and Peter was telling him he wouldn't deny him, Jesus was still on his way to the cross for When God forgives, he forgives everything. But remember, as we, as we finish here tonight, we'll, we'll, we'll look at some more, maybe Wednesday night, I don't know. He had some evident, ever, everlasting life that he bestows upon us and he offers to us. First Peter chapter 1, if you're taking notes, I'm trying to go slow, I'm sorry. Got a lot of references here, but First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. It says, Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love this. I preached this early on in coming here. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So he gives us this inheritance, which is our, our promise of heaven, our promise of eternal everlasting life. And he says about this inheritance that's incorruptible. There's no man that can pluck us, pluck us out of his hand. There's, there's not a, 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 a wrongdoing or a sin that gets us so far from God that it corrupts or destroys our relationship with him. And it's undefiled. There's not any, any other uh, underlying terms and conditions with this salvation. It doesn't corrupt over time. It doesn't lose value. It doesn't fall away. And that fadeth not away reserved. I like that. Reserved in heaven for you. We've got some trips reserved. And, and the way things go for me sometimes, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if something happens and falls apart and they ain't got something ready or the flight's delayed seven hours. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. But you know what I can be 100% sure of is when I draw my breath, my last breath, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, that I will face my God, my Creator, my Savior. And guess what? I'm here to cash in my reservation. And he'll look at the salvation, the blood applied upon my soul. And it may be this year, maybe 20 years, maybe 30, 40, 50 however long it's going to be before I draw my last breath, may go in the rapture, praise the Lord if I do. But he'll look at me, and my salvation will be as pure and as holy and as clear and as evident and as protected and as undefiled as it was the day I accepted Christ as my Savior. And the wrongdoings that I have done, the sin that I have committed, are under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I will give an account for how I have served and how I have lived for him. I will have some things that I will have to repent for. But guess what? He knows me. He loves me. My place is reserved and secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to stand before him and him say, Well, you messed up here. You're going to hell. Oh, hold on. You, you dropped a tear because you did, did wrong. You're going to have to wait. Oh, hold on, this sin. You see, the thing about our sins is Christians. There's, there's Christian people who are going to fall away from, from the cause of Christ. But I will guarantee you that there will be a day, a point in time upon this earth before they die that the Holy Ghost of God will convict them of that sin. You will not run from God forever. You will not. What happens to people that run from God? My experience, they end up in the belly of a whale. That's what I told people when I was trying to run away from Mountain View Baptist Church. They said, oh, you're going to pastor. I thought you'd walked away. I said, I was afraid I was going to end up in the belly of a whale. Running from God ain't no fun. You can't run from ever. And it's different for some people. I know people, they've been running for 20 years. Guess what? Some people, they're lost. They've done giving up their salvation because they've been running so long. Give me some scripture. Give me some scripture. There's some people, they can't run but two months until... So I, 
I've got to get back in the house of God. I've got to get this right with somebody. I've got to make this wrong right. It's different. I don't know. I can't explain it. can't tell you why. But I do know that the determining factor of a saved, born-again believer is a Holy Spirit and how he dwells within them. And that if they live in sin, he will deal with them. And that's between them and God. That's not for me to determine. And when it's been 20 years and they don't seem to get right in my eyes, two things I need to do is remember I ain't God and check up and make sure I'm all right. Because that ain't my responsibility to determine that about. It ain't my responsibility to determine between you and God. Some people think, well, you're the pastor. I have, people think you've got some kind of special connection. I mean, you've been called. You've been set apart to be used in the ministry of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I do not stand on any different ground than anybody else. I do not have any other, you have the same express line to God as I do. You have preachers make mistakes. Oh, well, he was never called to begin with. Now, there are some cases, you may hear me say that, because of the evidence present. Now, some cases where we just don't give people enough grace. And I think, really, I didn't realize that's where we were going tonight, but what, to drive at the root of what has created a false doctrine in the church of Christ. I believe because of my, this is just me and my experience talking with people about their beliefs versus mine comes from the idea where people can't make sense of why people who profess to be Christians would do X, Y, Z sin. And then, because of anger and bitterness and a lack of discernment, it's been determined that if you do this sin or you do that sin, you'll lose your salvation. And I find no Bible to back it up. And when you talk to a lot of these people, they'll tell you, well, my preacher said this. Please, Mountain View, do not walk around saying, my preacher, my pastor, Joshua Boyd said, I don't think you do. But my pastor said this, I have no authority to speak for God other than what he directs me by his Holy Ghost. No authority. I cannot give you new revelation. I cannot change it. The only authority I have is given by the truth of this word of God and directed by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that hopefully that's what's been presented tonight in enough evidence that we can see. I've got a lot more scripture on this, but... The evident ever, everlasting life. It was God's intention that he give me a gift that doesn't fade away. That he gives me a gift that he's not going to take away. I am so dirty and so unclean. I would hate for people to know in the dark, darkest, deeps, deep depths of my heart, I would hate for people to know how wicked I am. And if you're honest with yourself, you should be able to say the same thing because we're wicked creatures because of our flesh. But I'm thankful that I serve a God who's not afraid to take in a prodigal son. That sometimes I stray and I walk away. Sometimes I fail him. 
Sometimes I do so wrong. And guess what? Because of my flesh, I spend a lot, of, a lot more time dealing with that and fighting that than I do on the mountaintop doing the best I can. If we would just look at ourselves and how we live and how we walk and how easy it is, how easy is it to make a mistake? Pretty easy. How easy is it to say something we're going to regret? Right? I mean, in a split second. And guess what? The thought comes faster than it comes out of our mouth that we think. We're so, we're so tied to this flesh that we will have a bad thought so fast. Sometimes we can't even stop it. All we can do is say, God, forgive me. Now, I have some people I've talked to, they have levels of your sin. It's so biblical. It's amazing. Well, if you, you know, you have a bad thought, that's okay. But if you commit this sin, then yeah, you've got to get saved again. Or if you do this sin, there's no hope for you. You do this sin. I'm not telling you because you can plug them in. Everybody has their pets. I got st- I, there are sins that bother me more than others, amen? I'm just being honest. You're going to tell me to leave one day for being honest, but I'm just being honest. I've got some sins bother me more than others, but guess what? God, God hates them all. And as we said this morning, if I sin in one area, I'm guilty of them all. Let's give each other a little bit of grace, and I believe we do. And, and hey, there's people we're going to disagree with about these things. They deserve grace too. I'm not going to shy away from what I believe, but they deserve some grace too. Guess what? Your kindness about and hum- humility, man, humility goes a long way. I, work, I have to work on that all the time, and I can't say I've ever been good at it. I'm so prideful about things. And when I disagree with people, I just want to attack. You don't agree with me? We'll wrestle about it. Where's Blake? What did I tell you on that, on that teen camp? Y'all didn't straighten up in the car. We'd get out and wrestle, wouldn't we? That's what I told him. He said, I'm not scared of you. He's grew six inches since then. He wasn't scared then. Brave boy. I get, I get so aggressive about these things because I think I'm right. I know I'm right, but I mean, I get so aggressive. Amen? Do we not? But show them a little grace. Your grace and humility about what you believe may be what the Holy Spirit can use to show them what the Word truly says. And that goes for all of these subjects we'll talk about. I only threaten the teenagers with violence, I promise. I won't threaten anybody else. It's only the teenage boys that I threaten with violence. Jason told me I could. See? Amen.